0: Hello and welcome to today's edition of Family Life Today, hosted by Dave and Ann Wilson. Family Life Today is presented by Power to Change, known in the U.S. as Family Life. We hope the program will encourage you in your most important relationships.
1: Well, if there's one thing that defines Ann Wilson... And there isn't just one thing. There's a million things. <laughs> I'm looking at you like, oh, there's only one.
2: And my mind is blank. Like, I have no idea what you're going to say. I mean,
1: one of them would be play.
2: Oh, I was going to say that about you. But then again, we're both Enneagram Seven. Seven. Into that. So that's kind of the hallmark of the seven.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you bring joy and play into our family, especially. Uh, yeah, you know, it was just my birthday, and what did you do? You created all these <laughs> yeah. games, these, these uh, competitive games that I lost at almost every because one of them because
2: I knew you would love it.
1: Yeah, the grandkids loved it. It was fun, but I mean, that's you. You just bring fun and joy into our marriage, and I think we underestimate how important that is. Me too. To a marriage, and so today we get to listen to Ron Deal from the Family Life Blended Podcast as he sat down with Jim Burns, and we know Jim. We've had him on. Family of today, love his energy. He's a guy that he and his wife battled through uh, cancer and wrote a book about play and how important it is in their family and in their marriage. He's the president of Homeward and the executive director of Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University out in California. Anyway, this is a great discussion about how play brings energy into your marriage. And we all need to learn and understand this. So here's Ron and Jim. So
3: we're talking around some of the themes in your new book, have serious fun. And (laughs) do I understand this right? That that
4: was born
3: out of your journey
4: in cancer? Yeah, right. How does that work? I got a call from a a doctor and he said, Jim, come into the office and I want you to bring your wife. That's never good news when they say bring your wife. And I want to be here this afternoon. Wow. And it wasn't, it was cancer. And so we went through the process of that and I had surgery. The night before surgery is where I got up in the middle of the night and Mm -hmm. I wrote down principles that I wanted to pass to my kids. Mm -hmm. I think somewhere in our life, we forget that the problem in life is that we live by this breathless pace and we sort of quit having fun. When I wrote my PhD dissertation, it was on traits of a healthy family. And one of the key ingredients was the ingredient of play and fun, Mm. that families that played together, um, I know we believe that families that pray together, I believe that, but frankly, families that played together stayed together also. Over and over again, I just kept seeing that, you know, play builds a closeness, play reduces stress, Mm. whether it be in a marriage or with your kids. I have a friend who's a pastor, and he was talking about his son who's 15, who had kind of strayed away from faith. I said, hey, I was just talking to your son. He's great, but he plays basketball. Do you ever play basketball with him? Didn't you play basketball? And he said, well, I did, but I'm too busy. I said, go to Walmart, mm, buy a mm. hoop, get out there and start playing basketball. And I was back at his church about six months later. He said, you'll never believe this story. I started playing with my son basketball most every day. And he's really competitive, and I'm really competitive. <laughs> and he said, and, you know, just recently, he said, hey, Dad, after the game, let's sit down. And he said, you know, I'm I'm ready to come back to the faith. I think I want to be a youth pastor, and it was an early story when he saw me that first time. But today, that kid is a youth pastor at at a competing church. Not that churches compete. I go, why didn't you bring him to your church? He goes, well, he actually got a better offer, and he's doing great. (laughs) Hmm. Well, how cool that God used play to bring this friend of mine's son back to the Lord. Hmm. And so, play is an important ingredient, and the fun factor in it is key. And so, what I wanted to say to my kids especially, but then now to others is be intentional about having fun. And again, when you're going through a deep grief, let's say you go through a divorce. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're, the first word is, oh, well, let's just have fun. Hmm. But I was talking to a woman last night who had gone through a tough time and is, in, uh, is now a step-parent. It was fascinating because she said, when I was at the worst, I rented jet skis with my kids, and I all of a sudden realized I was smiling, and I went, whoa. Hmm. I'm smiling. Hmm. And it wasn't that she couldn't just only have fun. She had to deal with her grief and everything else, but it, it was healing. There's a healing process right. in fun right. and play. I am
3: just processing so much right now. I'm thinking about someone who's listening to us who has been, or is going through some sort of physical ailment, somebody who went through a death of a spouse yeah. and, or a divorce right. or a major transition right. of some sort and, You're right. You don't think of fun as being something that throws in or is relative there. But what's fascinating to me is that in the deep part of your pain and uncertainty about the future and you start thinking about legacy and what you want to pass on to your kids, that's one of the things that
4: immediately pops to the surface. Right. Well, you know, at the end of the year, you never are going what was the best thing about the year? You're never saying it was that Zoom call, the the third one of the day, <laughs> or it was doing the bills. That was great. You know what it is is you talk about family fun or you talk about moments, even if it's memories, because play builds happy memories. Yes. So even in the in the death of a loved one or in in those struggles, and again, I'm not saying that you don't face those, but I'm saying sometimes it's the memory. You know, I just was involved in a funeral of a very special person, mm-hmm. and you know, we cried Mm -hmm. and we also laughed Mm -hmm. because part of the memories were some fun memories about that person because that person was a fun person. And that's one of the reasons why they probably had such a mentor influence in my life. Yeah. Because I was drawn to his playfulness and yet also his incredible, beautiful, God honoring spirit about himself too. But, you know, he did it with a smile. And Mm so some of those stories were great. They were fun. But, you know, in my world,
3: fun is an opportunity for bonding. You know, I think about Step-families and trying to get to know each other and all that new relationship work that they're doing, activities, building memories, as you just said, is also an opportunity to create a moment where you and I share that in a positive way.
4: Yes, and you don't have to be intense about it. You know, there's a phrase we use in our marriage conferences where we say, words don't always connect but connection causes you to have good words. Mm. Let's take a step-parenting situation or you take a, a in a blended family the the child who's not your blood child but is kind of, you know, drawn in. Mm. Sitting down and saying, "Let's become close." That's not going to work as much as maybe going to a dance recital together or shopping or playing a game or whatever it might be, that then causes kind of them to relax and have those conversations. Mm. Same with a marriage. Mm -hmm. Way too many marriages don't play enough. Yeah. And let's talk about that for a minute because why do we not
3: play enough? I mean we
4: play when we're
3: dating. We play on the front end. Is it just time? Is it just we get busy? Is it that or is it – I don't know.
4: Well, I don't think we're intentional enough about it because again, life is stressful. Life gets, you know, we, we always have something to do, but you know, it's a learned trait mm. and it means we've just got to do it. For example, date nights. I'm big on date nights. Mm. I tell people spend 1% of your week on a date. I mean, it's <laughs> 90, 90, minutes. You can mm. have a great date on that. And at the date, don't talk about your kids. Don't talk. well, you'll talk a little bit about your kids. Mm. Don't talk about, you know, the bills court, each other, enjoy each other's mm. company. laugh and you know, have some fun, whatever it is. I have to laugh because Kathy and I have had some great dates lately. We had made a list about two years ago. Let's, we brainstormed some date ideas. And she we live by the beach in in California. So she said, you know, paddle boarding and let's go to the tide pools and then mm-hmm. go to breakfast. That's a neat date type thing for her. You don't think of dates sometimes in the morning. Mm-hmm. But that is a good one. And she had all these lists. Well, she's forgotten it. And I found it. Huh. So I've been... Checking off these Is dates. Right? and her friend Wendy said, Jim, you're like killing it on the <laughs> dates right now. And I go, I know. And you're like, I'm so creative. Yeah. Well, it's in her writing. Yeah, it's not even my writing. I'm stealing her ideas, but she's forgotten. Uh-huh. Uh, if she listens to this podcast, we're in trouble. Uh oh. But the point being that, you know, sometimes we just have to be intentional. We are going to go and do this, yeah. even if we don't are mind or our bodies are saying, let's don't. And it, it ends up being fun. Yep. And every date doesn't have to be something fancy either. It can just be uh, something that you enjoy uh, doing. And that draws you together. A great mentor of mine, Neil Clark Warren, who founded eHarmony and mm-hmm. whatnot. He, I was in his office one time because I was doing some work with them. And he said, you know, Jim, communication is a learned trait. That rocked me because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'm just going to communicate like my dad did in bad ways. And, you know, Kathy's going to communicate like her mom or whatever. But then I realized, no, we can learn this. Well, I think the same is with having fun, being intentional about it. So you just go do it. You don't have to feel it. You find things that are fun with each other. You make a list. Even in the times when you're not going to go do it that day, you make a list of things that might be fun for each other, and you just go do it.
2: We're listening to Ron Deal and Jim Burns. As they have a discussion on what we're calling it, it's thanks therapy. Hmm. And this is from the Family Life Blended podcast. And as I'm listening to that, my first thought was the word intentional. You're being intentional, and you may not always feel like doing it, but as you get going, that joy and the laughter can come.
1: And I've never considered the fun as a learned behavior. And a therapy. It's like like you're either good at it or you're bad at it. It's like, wow, that's a great insight. It's like I can choose to decide to do something fun. And here's the thing about fun. It's like other things in marriage. Sometimes you choose it, not feeling it, but the feelings come later.
2: I'm thinking about kids, too, as we have family fun, especially teenagers. Remember them complaining, like, what are we doing? (laughs) And I would be saying like no this is going to be awesome
1: you're going to love this this yeah. is going to be fun and then, mandatory fun
2: and i think we've done that in our marriage where you're starting out as what are we doing but then it's really good afterwards
1: yeah so let's go back to uh, ron and jim talking about this because they get into the whole idea of giving thanks is something we do intentionally as well
3: Okay. We've talked about a number of things in the book. Is there is there another principle you'd like to share? Um,
4: well, one that I'm thinking a lot about, and I think it blends with what you and I've been talking about, is it's the pain of discipline or the pain of regret.
3: Hmm.
4: What I mean by that is, you know, there's pain in life. We're either going to have the pain of discipline or we're going to have some pain of regret. And so what that means is we have to be intentional. Paul said to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And he actually, Ron, used a uh, Athletic term, because there's different terms you could use for discipline. And in that phrase, it was more of like athletic training, if Mm -hmm. you would. But I think a lot of the decisions we make, if we really want to have a healthy life and we really want to make, you know, a difference, then we've got to be intentional about the discipline. Now, some people are super disciplined, but others aren't. But, you know, I, I I had this funny experience last night or two couple of nights ago. Kathy and I were lying in bed in New York at this wedding of my daughters. And I said to her, my chest hurts. And she's like all panicky. Like, oh. is he getting a – do you have a heart attack? Are you okay? I go, oh, no, no. I've been working out on weights, and I had done something in the gym <laughs> at the hotel the morning before, and my chest hurt because I was working out. That was the pain of discipline, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, not that you were saying, wow, Jim, you're looking buff. But then I kind of would grab my stomach and go, the little pot belly that I have, and I go, that's the pain of regret. You See what I'm saying? <laughs> well, that's how it is with life. That We know mm. what to do. We just sometimes don't do it. Right. So we take – it really is a good idea to take baby steps, but it is about discipline. And so it's about mindset and discipline. And in 1983, I made a decision to go through the one year Bible and spend 20 minutes a day with God. Well, I'm like your adult ADD guy who was, I had my devotions on and off. And In 1983, I got serious about that. Mm. And it's only 20 minutes. Some people think that's wimpy, but I'm telling you I think a lot of the anointing, I think a relationship with Kathy relationship with my kids. I think it comes from my 20 minute thing. Wow. But it's the discipline of of doing that day in and day out. And it's what ministers to me. You know, some people, my wife included, would say, you read the same one year Bible. Well, I actually change it from, you know, new living mm-hmm. to <laughs> and then NIV, but I I don't change much. But it's really good for me to do that. So that discipline at first was really hard. I mean, there were some Decembers where I had to read a lot at the very end Mm. or, you know, struggling always through Leviticus or whatever. But, you know, today I I was on the day today. I just opened Mm. it up and I go, okay, well, today's the day. That's what I'm going to do. Just like Mm. you would brush your teeth. And that kind of thing has been helpful. And I wanted to share that with my kids, especially that you have pain. So you're just going to have to decide if it's going to be the pain of regret or the pain of discipline that works with family. It works with marriage. It works with struggles with relationship at work. It works with your kids that, you know, we add that discipline side. Mm. So that was a meaningful one for me and not always easy. And sometimes it's just grit. I don't know if you read the book by Angela Duckworth. It was a best-selling book. It's a secular book. And she also has like one of the best known TED talks, but she talks about grit and she studied people who were in education or business And she said, these weren't the smartest people. They were the people who had grit. And the Bible talks about endurance Mm. and perseverance. And so when people endure or they persevere, that means they have grit. That means they discipline themselves. Even uh, one of the latest studies that show for troubled marriages, if people will stay in the marriage for five years, that 75% say that it's better. Well, that's perseverance, that's grit, that's discipline. They discipline themselves instead of thinking the grass was going to get greener. And they're so grateful they did it after those five years. Okay, I want
3: to get back to cancer a little bit. Mm -hmm. You say that your life changed dramatically. And having gone through this, I imagine that's an understatement. I know as somebody who has had great loss in my life, we get recalibrated by loss. A lot of things change in us. Talk about something you do.
4: It's tactical that you do different yeah. as a result. I actually think what mattered a lot in some ways before cancer doesn't matter as much and kind of vice versa. Yeah. yeah. And I would say one of the things, there are many, but I found that family is more important than vocation mm. because I think a lot of us who love what we do, I love what I do. And sometimes I'll give my family my emotional scraps, but I don't give my work my emotional scraps. So I I think after cancer, I went, you know what? I don't need to work that extra hour. Mm. I can actually come home. I mean, what am I doing this for? Mm. I'm, it's not like I have a boss who says, you got to be here extra. I work enough hours, too many hours. So I found that I had to ask the question, am I giving Kathy, am I giving my kids my emotional scraps? And cancer helped me spend less time at work. Mm. It helped me um, not be as busy. That's another principle. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. You know, I needed to learn that I had to schedule my priorities instead of let my, my priorities just kind of go to the wayside because of my. I have a great schedule. I work a schedule. I mean, I have this appointment Mm. and that appointment, but I'm not scheduling in my family time, Mm. especially when I needed my, my most efficient time. Cancer helped me realize that, and maybe it was the idea of thinking about death, but realized that, you know, there are two important things, a right relationship with God and a right relationship with my loved ones. And fascinating enough, a woman named Elizabeth Cooper Ross, who wasn't coming from a Christian perspective, studied death and dying and said, when people are getting ready to die, they have two things, a right relationship with God and a right relationship with their loved ones. Wow. And I went, wait, why do I need to wait hmm. until I'm about ready to die to do that? But cancer caused me, Ron, honestly, it caused me to to really recalibrate my energy toward Kathy and my energy toward my kids. And I don't think I was like the worst dad in the century, and I don't think I was the worst husband. Mm-hmm. But what it did was it caused me to rethink mm-hmm. what I wanted to be known for, what I wanted my grave site to say or what they would say at my funeral. I didn't want them to recite my academic career or my uh, work career. I wanted them to talk about the kind of dad I am or the kind of um, husband I am to wow. to Kathy. Cancer did that for me. Wow. So what's crazy is, you know, we talk about being thankful back to thankful. I'm not thankful for cancer, but I'm really thankful in that situation because I think it woke me up to a few uh, habits that I was really doing that weren't as healthy. I'm
3: curious now, I, what one of those habits might be. I'm just sitting here reflecting on what's tactical for me is putting it on my calendar. Yeah. Because if it's on my calendar, then that space cannot be taken out by something else, yeah. some activity. It is a priority to me to spend time with my family, but it so easily slips away. Yeah. And if I put it on there, then it's more likely to
4: happen. Yeah. You know, for me, there are two things that I can really specifically say, and every person will have a different one. But for me, I'm a hard worker. My mm. dad was an alcoholic, so my workaholism could get in the way. Mm. And so, you know, I go into the office early and I stay late. And all of a sudden I realized I don't need to be the last person in this office. I I don't need to leave at... 6 30. I honestly could leave when this office closes at five many nights and nobody's going to be all bugged about it. That meant I was fresher for Kathy.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And then there were other things where I realized that, you know, I'm a people pleaser like crazy. And so when people would ask me to speak, I'd go, sure. Now, Kathy and I do that together. We talk about that. I, I would never take a speaking engagement without her, but she likes you know, that I get to speak and whatnot too, but I just realized there were some times I had to say, No, mm-hmm. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Love you, but mm-hmm. I just simply can't do it. Um, maybe another time or maybe on the back of something else. And you know, it's funny, I I didn't get less speaking engagements, but so I probably get requests more requests today. Hmm. But I just have a better handle on saying, No, I got something going on this week and they're they're probably thinking, Oh, he's doing some great and glorious ministry. No, Our family's having a (laughs) barbecue.
1: There you go. We've been listening to Ron Deal uh, from the Family Life Blended podcast as he talked to Jim Burns about what they called practicing thanks therapy. And we just actually got a little clip of that. There's more that you can go listen to. But I tell you what. That last little part was for me.
2: Oh, I was gonna say, did you hear that? Did you hear the last part? Did you hear it? It yes. isn't just
1: for me. It's for you too. Is that all you thought is it's for Dave? That's what you thought, <laughs> isn't it? Like well, I'm the only one that needs to hear this, not you. <laughs> of saying
2: no. You're perfect. Things? I'm not. No. Here's what we're both wrong in. You say yes. Did you
1: say both? You don't yes. really. No, you I don't believe. even believe this. You... you only believe it's me. <laughs> Go ahead. You say yes to
2: ministry opportunities more than I would. <laughs> But I'm saying yes to probably friends and ministry and family things more than you would.
1: Either way, I mean, what I heard is your family needs to be a priority. Mm-hmm. You're gonna cheat something, cheat the other things. Don't cheat your family. Yeah. Don't cheat your marriage. You'll reap what you sow. Um, we've seen that in our own marriage. So when Jim was talking about that, I could, re- I know you're thinking, isn't me. it
2: so fun to listen I, to these?
1: I could so relate. Because I've done it, literally the speaking engagement thing, and God sort of said to both of us, well, I guess he said to me, not you, just me, slow down. Mm. You say your family and your marriage is a priority, live it out. And I'm guessing he's speaking to somebody else today as well. It's one thing to be a hearer. It's another thing to be a doer of what God's word says. So I am encourage you to join me. Let's be doers.
0: The kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Need help building that heart-to-heart communication between you and your preteen, while laying a foundation of purity that will prepare them for the turbulent years ahead? Check out Passport to Purity on our website, families.powertochange.org.au, under the Resources tab. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.